Bob and Jeremy's Conflab. The Reality Podcast. Hello, you're listening to Bob and Jeremy's Conflab, and I'm looking at Bob, and you have sun on your face. Are you enjoying the spring-summer feeling we now have? Well, I certainly am, and the weather's definitely improved, and the dog is enjoying going out and lying on the decking, which is very Mm. uh, pleasant. I don't have to wear my wellies when I go for a walk, which is heaven. And I would say that, yes, this is a nice spring that we're entering into, which is good. Your wellies that, of course, listeners of all of our episodes will know that that was your example of buying a higher priced welly for, of course. And did you know, if you didn't know, Wellingtons are named after the Duke of Wellington. I hope you know that. I was aware of that. Yes. Good, good. You're a big fan of his, aren't you? Big fan of Arthur. Yeah, big fan of Arthur Wellesley. Yeah. Should we should we do a podcast about Wellington in business? Maybe we could spin something out of his approach to battle. Well, he once said uh, when he first arrived at Parliament, he turned to a friend and said, "Good God, I've never seen so many bad hats in my life." <laughs> and I think that <laughs> sort of summarised him quite well. He once fought a duel when he was yeah. in Parliament. By the way, yeah. And I think that's quite a good thing. And maybe some of our politicians should learn from that and meet each other at dawn with a pistol. That might change the world mm. quite considerably, mightn't it? God. I mean, we'd actually watch that as well, wouldn't we? Oh, we'd I'd get pay some more quite people interested in politics for that. Yeah, it really yeah. would. So let's talk about the subject we're going to look at today. We are going to talk about sales accompaniment, whether that be field or virtual. This is when managers and directors attend the sales meetings that take place of their salespeople and with the customers. And this is something which used to be very, very popular back in the day. It kind of comes and goes in popularity. And we have recently developed a a new course for one of our clients on this subject. And we thought it would be a good subject to talk about because most people who are on the road when it comes to sales or if they are selling face-to-face virtually, rarely get to show what they're like in front of customers to a manager. And so the manager can then help improve, Mm. look at their skills, etc. So we want to talk a little bit about that dynamic. We do. And I thought, let's start with the who. So typically, the who gets it, who the manager chooses to go out with is very often people who are struggling. And we want to immediately sort of major point number one is field sales accompaniment, virtual accompaniment shouldn't be just for those who are missing targets. Because if you go out with somebody who's a top performer, you'll learn about some of their brilliant behaviours, how they're handling difficult customers, and so on. So one of the sort of myths is that you only use this intervention with people who are up against it. You should know all of your team. And here we are recording this where we're still not out of a corona world. And the fact is that you may not. This isn't just, as Bob said in the intro, this isn't just if you're accompanying people, going out with them in a car, meeting them on trains, going into customers' premises or clients' premises. You can appear on a Zoom in the corner. You can be introduced. This is more universal. I think the other point to make here is that sales managers rarely do this. Mm. And when I think back to my career, I had a number of sales managers who either came out with me once just to make Mm -hmm. sure that I was relatively competent, actually, or never came out with me at all and were doing other things all the time. And I had a number of sales managers who didn't sell. They left us to do the selling. So there they were, the, uh, you know, the bosses, as it were. And they never, never came out with us on the road. 
I don't know what they were doing all day, but that was well, their thing. As dear old Nick 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 Moore would have said, they were you know watching the dashboard, watching the scores, and not playing the game. And we think that for managers, this is part of your skill set to play the game to get to understand the behaviours, language, skills that your sales team are using when they are with customers. I think it's so important to get back to this. And actually, if you are a company that's, well, most companies are hybrid now, let's face it. But if you are a company that is now redeploying people on the road, re-seeing customers face-to-face, then just imagine a two-year lag and your manager doesn't even come out with you yet and it's not even in the diary. What's happened to you over those two years? You haven't even seen each other. It's absolutely vital that you put this intervention much higher up your priority list. I've got two good examples of this as well, where it can be fun, but it can also be uh, stage managed. Mm. So I once had a manager who went out with one of the salespeople we had, and that salesperson was a bit of a cheapy, chirpy Cockney bin man. And what he'd done was he'd arranged for all of the meetings he had with that manager to be literally picking up an order. Yeah. So he'd sold the stuff the week before, and then he'd say, look, can you keep quiet about this? I want to come with my manager. It'll make me look good if we have a little chat. And you go, oh, look, let me let me hand you this order. So the manager soon picked up on that as a complete waste of time. But the other thing that this manager once did to me, very funny, he said, I'm going to come out with you next week, Bob. He said, we're going to go and see this guy. I can't remember the guy's name. Let's say his name was Stuart. He said, we're going to go and see Stuart. And I'm a bit nervous about seeing him, actually. And I said, why are you nervous? He said, oh, he's massive. He's about six foot five. He's immense. He's like a wrestler. He's terrifying. And he always makes me feel very small and mortified whenever I see him. And I was like, oh, my God. He said, don't worry. We've got to go and see him. So I just booked the appointment and uh, I'll just have to get myself ready for it. So I booked the appointment. And every day the manager came up to me and went, oh, is it next week we're seeing him? Oh, my God. Oh, God. I, it, I've got shivers down my spine already. So by the time I got to this meeting, I was terrified as well. Remember, mm. this was back before the days of the Internet walked into the waiting room, hanging around, and my, my boss looked at me going, I hope you're ready for this, Bob. Oh, this guy's unbelievable. And I was absolutely bricking it. And mm. suddenly the door opened, and this guy walked in who was literally four foot five. <laughs> and <Yeah>. I <laughs> absolutely <laughs> almost doubled over. Oh. I, I, I don't know how I kept it in. And my manager was just really enjoying that moment of, of look on my you know, face. You, you've just come up with a really important thing to do with field accompaniment is to play a practical joke. Why not? <laughs> Set it's up a practical hilarious. joke. Uh, you know, we're going to see a Rottweiler and it turns out to be a poodle. Yeah. The meeting was brilliant, by the way. And that was yeah. the point. It completely relaxed nice. me because I, uh, you know, I thought that was really good. Let's talk about the setup. Yeah. So if you say to your person, I'm coming out with you and it's staged managed, you know, a bit like when a dignitary comes to your, office and you've spent six hours cleaning the place that's not a true picture so I think you need a very transparent discussion over I want to have a mix of new meetings second meetings customers that you want to go back and try and reignite the relationship you must talk about the blend of visits and if it runs over two days you're more likely to get a decent cross-section so the setup's vital and that setup links back to the who it shouldn't just be struggling And also be careful with the long tenured people, that wonderful word, because they may well kick back and go, what's wrong with me? Why are you coming out with me? Nothing you can teach me, old dogs, new tricks. So the setup's important, the who's important. And let's just talk about, you know, what is actually taking place during. And if we give an analogy, and Bob knows I'm a massive tennis fan, and at the moment, 
you know, dear old Amazon, they've coughed up for nearly every single tournament around the world because they can't compete with any other sports. So I literally go from the Barcelona Open to Estoril. It's all gorgeous clay court. When I'm watching my favourite players like Alcaraz, his coach sits there, but he does not take a single volley for him. He doesn't surf him. He watches him all the time. And after the match, they can debrief his behaviours and his performance so that when he goes into the next round, he's had some support. So sport is to the umpteenth degree that the coach is going to be with the players, whatever sport they're in, watching, observing, looking at some of their habits, looking at some of their behaviours. And those really are the main indicators of their performance to be. And then they're able to give feedback. If you now look at your diary, if you're a manager, you're thinking, well, how much time am I actually observing my people? If it's that minimal, you need to get some kind of balance. Get these dates in the diary. What's a reasonable amount a year? To one client, we're talking about at least twice a year. To another client, we're talking about once a quarter. And if it's virtual, it can be even more. I would also add that what you really need is some form of sales model or sales Mm. process that you can hang this thing on. Because if you just sit in on a meeting and there's no structure as such, you can judge the effectiveness of the meeting. Of course you can. But I think if you've got a sales structure that is designed to help the customer buy and designed to help you be successful, then that gives you something to measure this person against in some form. They don't need to do it exactly the way that you might want to do it, but there needs to be some idea that they have a structure that they're using to be effective. And this is, of course, something that we do a lot of. And it also helps the manager to go, right, our structure is this one. So let's see how they're doing against it. It gives them something they can also coach against, which is the most important thing. Rather than tell, they would need to be able to coach against the behaviours that they Mm. want to see within that model. Well, perhaps, Bob, we could even go further and say that if you don't have a good coaching model in your organisation, then you're going to have a wild inconsistency of managers, some managers not really very skilled in coaching, who go, how do you think that went? Oh, I'm now going to dump a load of advice on you. So I think a coaching model in your organisation is going to help as well. Absolutely. In fact, why don't we give a little example now of how to begin a poor coaching conversation? You've just watched me deal with a customer. It was pretty average. Okay. Mm. Nothing was sold. Um, I've got to go back to them. I hadn't done much research in advance. Let's do this badly. Okay. So now we're sitting in a in a chain coffee store because I think using a neutral environment is really going to enable my yeah. my feeling. Yeah. So Bob, um, you just come out of uh, seeing Terry there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, not easy, was he? Well, I, I think yeah. I need to. I think I need to explain exactly what it is I've seen. So oh. I've made some notes. Um, Have you? Well, yeah. Before I hear from you, mm. um, what is the single? I'll ask a question about this. See if you get it. What are the three things you did really badly that you just must not repeat again? Uh, I've no idea. Uh, You've no idea? I, I thought I did all right. I thought it was all right, actually. I mean, at least I've got to go back to him with something. I mean, it's not a complete disaster. Yeah, but we've really got to fix yeah. some major, major areas here, Bob. Hang some on. major man. areas. Look, I've bought you a nice latte and a cake. I'm just going <laughs> to keep that cake back a minute. A minute. I'm just going to move the cake away from you. You can have the cake only if you identify the three main things you've got wrong. Come on. Um, well, I suppose I could have found out a bit more about them before I went in. Uh, bit more? A bit blind. You did no uh, yeah. pre-research whatsoever. No, yeah. no, I didn't. No, it's true. And um, I suppose I should have. We, we should have perhaps cut short the conversation about football because it did linger. Well, that went on far too long. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and third um, thing? 
Uh, I should have perhaps, well, I suppose we got onto price quite quickly, didn't we? Yeah, you were selling on price. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cut this cake in half, actually. You can only have half. (laughs) I think that's reasonable, don't you? Do you, do you find me one of the best managers you've ever had? I'm, I'm sure. That's uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're great. Yeah, I'm just just looking at my phone for uh, finding a website with new jobs on. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Now you get the gist here. So that wasn't very motivational. Let's try it another way now, Jeremy. Let's try it a different way. Same situation. It's average, okay? But now let's just do a very brief coaching conversation. Just a very selective coaching conversation that's going to help and motivate this individual. So Bob, there were some things you did extremely well. Mm. in that and 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 i don't want you just immediately begin with negatives because i want i want you first of all if if to put a little structure in this i want to tell me what you think you've done really well and then let's Um, move on to well hold on hold on i'll give you i'll give you the 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 thought areas i'd love you to tell me what you've done really well and rather than listing stuff off to me because i don't think that that's of any great value i'd love you to think about just changing one approach and if there was one what would it be and then if you don't mind i'll just share with you some stuff that I think I've noted that could add some value. Okay, that sounds fine. Well, I think that the good news is we've got a chance to go back and have another go, Mm -hmm. so that's good news. I think I now know a bit more about them than I did before I went in, so that's great. Mm. Mm. And we've started, you know, what could be quite a nice account here, you know, if if we we go back effectively. So I think, you know, I think we got on well, and I think that was a a good thing. Great. Well, I think I definitely could have found out a bit more before I went in, because I went in a bit blind, and I was kind of on the back foot for a little bit until I fully worked out what it was they did. And then mm. it got a bit easier mm. then. So if we've got, looking at my watch, we've got another, another 50 minutes together before we've got to jump in the car again. If we were to mm. just spend 50 minutes together now, mm. we work together on how you can do research to get mm. you to another level before you go into your meetings. Is that going to be good a use of our time as any? Yeah. Okay, great. Let's focus no, on I agree. that. I agree. Let's focus in on that. Okay, great. done. So there's a little bit of a structure there. We use that quite often as a feedback structure because you start on the good. Most people always start on the negative. And also, I think the amount of notes that an individual can take is limited. And in fact, I'll give you a theatrical anecdote, if you will indulge me. I don't know about you, Bob, but I didn't have that many great directors that I worked with. (laughs) But I did work with one extremely good director where we did the dress rehearsal and we'd never had... And I've done before, and we'd never had been given reams of notes. And she just said, can everyone just come back on the stage and we're just going to do notes? And this was Philippa. All she did was give each person a single note. And all she said to uh, the note that was the best note wasn't my note. It was actually given to the leading woman, where she just simply said, if I were sitting in the audience, I wouldn't think you were that crazy about him, the man that you're falling in love with. Can you think about how it's easier to signpost that you're a bit more madly in love with him? And that was the note. And the person just went, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm Mm. not actually dizzily in love. And she didn't tell her how to display to be dizzily in love, Mm. but she was Mm. just a very Mm. good note. She gave everybody a good note. She would say simple things like, when you're saying your lines, you look a bit bored. How could you look less bored? It was just, we were given the choice of how we wanted to act, but we were given the note of how it came across Mm. to her view. Whereas I remember another director called Derek, who gave each actor about 26 notes each. So when you come on, you're walking too slowly. I need you much quicker. When you meet her, when you say your first line, you've got to go much harder. When you then take her hand, can you take her hand with the other hand? Oh, geez, how many actors are dead at the end of it? So pointless. (laughs) You're smiling. Are you remembering some bad directors? 
I'm remembering some lovely notes, actually. And I remember a friend of yours and mine, the now late, David Kelsey, oh, yeah. who was a lovely chap. Yeah. And he would always give notes at the end of rehearsals or end of a performance. With a, he'd light a cigarette and he'd sit there and, and, he'd, and he'd say, do you know, Bob, it was so funny when you walked <laughs> in that door. And, and, and he would sort of give you these... <laughs> Notes that were absolutely backhanded compliments. Clever. You know, yeah. they, they was, they, yeah. he would he would compliment you in a way that made you think, oh, God, it's so bad, you know. And that's what's so interesting, that you can do it, deliver these the feedbacks. In different that's a ways. nice method, isn't it? Yeah, not everyone's got the style to do it, mm. though. You've got to have a certain sort of confidence to do that. I think the other point which we're leading to here, which is very important, is that most salespeople don't want this. Okay. Yeah. They don't want to be yeah. accompanied. They don't want to be judged. They don't want to have their performance graded mm. in any way. No. And they are going to not like it at all. However, you are an experienced sales manager with a team of people. Surely, surely the best thing you can do is help your people to improve the way they sell. If you're not there to do that, then what are you there to do? Surely this is the most important thing you can do. And actually, if you explain to the salespeople that everything you're doing is entirely for their benefit. This isn't to look at them and go, my God, you're so dreadful, you're sacked. That's a completely different thing. This is actually to look at how they are behaving with customers and looking to improve the consistency of that. That's going to make the entire organization more money. That's the reason to do it. And I think we need to help our sales teams understand that this is a good thing. It's for their development. And we need to change sales managers attitude towards it because at the moment many sales managers would rather do mm. anything than go out with their salespeople, which is extraordinary mm. isn't it well it really is and they're only looking at the excel spreadsheet and actually if anyone's listened to any of our other podcasts in a book that we're just about completing disloyal bonding if you've got a team that's hitting target but they're all out there slagging off the company slagging off the system slagging off delivery times uh, it's not me it's my manager then you've got a team that are using all of the wrong behaviours to hit a target, but you have absolutely no awareness of that. So imagine if you unearthed horrific disloyal bonding habits in certain members of your team, you would only potentially unearth that if you left them to their own devices by actually accompanying them on meetings. So that's another thing is what are the dangerous negative behaviours that are perhaps prevalent? Everyone has bad habits. And so you're not necessarily going to see those habits on an accompaniment mm. day but it might give you some hints as to what they actually are. Mm. So I would think about I'll that. give you an example of a good accompaniment I had with Keith. So when I became what they call an AE, an account executive, no less, he came on my meetings. He didn't say a single word. He also didn't intervene. He didn't take over selling. He let me do everything. And he did the coaching and I talked and answered the question. He said, okay, there's one thing that I'm going to give you that I think is a major tip for you, Jeremy. So when you go back on your second meetings to close the deal with the presentation, with the visuals, with whatever it is they're going to be buying, the design of the advertisement, I really want you to consider that on the second appointments, you are selling to the accountant. And I go, selling to the accountant? What do you mean? He's the business owner. Yes, Jeremy, but you've been away. You've got them all excited, but I want you to come back in with the ROI, the return on investment, how much money they're likely to get, the cost and the difference in the return. I went, ah, that's fantastic. That absolutely transformed my performance as an AE. And then, you know, not long after that, Bob and I set up reality training because we realized that we knew enough to go and win our own customers and do our own thing. So that was just the tip, you know, a bit like the theater director. One good tip 
is enough. Don't feel you have to give reams of notes because the salesperson just won't remember them. No. Or, crucially, act on them. I'm not going to be able to make 15 changes in my sales process. So I think we've covered quite a few things here. We have, we have. I think it needs to get into your culture. If you haven't got it in your culture, you just have to start. You could have started yesterday. So if you can't start yesterday, start today and start to build this up. Bring the managers together. Decide, as we've already said, what is the sales model that we're using? What is our coaching model? Get real consistency and use it as a thing that people welcome because it improves their performance and ultimately the results of the team. So we wish to fly the flag for field sales accompaniment. Do we not? (laughs) We do indeed. And we will be back soon with more. And I also want to draw your attention to any of you listening who work in contact centres. Please look up our other podcast, Contact Centre Focus. And thank you to those who have given us reviews and told their friends about this. Our numbers are really increasing at the moment. So that's, that's very kind of you. If you feel compelled to write a review or forward a link to somebody, these are resources that you can share. Thanks ever so much. Thanks, Bobby. See you on the next one. Bye. Bob and Jeremy's Conflab. The Reality Podcast. Thank you.